0: last week about the tandem bike. We've got a really nice looking tandem bike up here. Someone asked me if I was going to try to get on this thing and I said no, I don't think so, not today. This bike has 60,000 miles on it. I'm glad I wasn't on the backseat. We heard a lot of comments this week about that particular illustration in last week's message and i'm not going to go over that again but i i hope that you have decided to let the lord take the front seat let jesus be not just lord of your life but and not just resident but president of your life and and that you'll go along for the ride i tell you what it's been a ride this week for me i left uh, tampa on thursday heading to danville virginia landed in raleigh durham and drove and it was cold Uh, i met with uh, several hundred people on thursday night friday night and saturday night i also hosted a bahamian pastor and his wife from freeport bahamas and we were a part of a organization called god's pit crew and they are an amazing ministry that 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 actually give away about 15 million dollars worth of resource every year they they answer to natural uh, disasters and this past year they rebuilt a school in Moffat, Oklahoma, a complete school pub, public school. And uh, they helped Agape Flights this year with those blessing buckets, those bright blue buckets. And so I was out there just encouraging them along with hosting uh, Pastor Rudolph Roberts and Enid, his wife, and had a wonderful time. But I I got to the hotel last night about 11.30 in Raleigh-Durham, got up at 3.15 this morning, and uh, got on a plane at 5.50 and landed in Tampa at 7.45 and got in Bradenton. Yeah. I'm glad you're clapping because I'm trying to stay awake. I got into Bradenton at 829. I don't remember the Skyway Bridge. (laughs) But I know I crossed it. And I know I paid the toll. At least I hope so. Otherwise, I'm going to be in trouble. If you got your Bibles this morning, turn to Proverbs chapter 3. And today is a a very important day. It's a very important day. We're going to take the trust test today. And I'm hoping... I've been praying for you. I believe today is one of the most important days in the history of this church. You say, oh, pastor, come on. We've been around 130 years. It can't be that important. It is. Both this morning in what we do and this afternoon. Now, John just gave you an announcement a while ago. He said there's a meeting at what time this afternoon? Yeah. And where's it at? and the transition team is putting that on and you know what some of you did when he did that let me just show you what you did (laughs) yeah some of you did this you didn't listen to him i've already talked to a few of you today and some of you told me well i'm not i'm not going to be at that meeting i don't drive at night that's an excuse it's not going to be nighttime at 4 o'clock. So we want to see you there this afternoon. The transition team has been working very diligently, and I pray that you will be with us this afternoon. We're going to have a great time. And I pray that you will say, yes, I'm going to be there because I want to be a part of what God is doing at First Baptist Church. Now, let's, let's take a real quick review I gave you an acrostic last week and we talked about trust and T was taking inventory. Remember that? And then we talked about recognizing the R, recognizing God as our source. And then the U was understanding God's principles. And we'll review those for just a moment. Because in understanding God's principles, last week we talked about the who's in charge principle. God is the owner, amen? Amen. I'm the manager. Everything, every resource, every blessing that I have today is a gift from God. And then there was the give and grow principle. We got some folks here from uh, a seed ministry that are visiting with us today. I'm so glad they're here today because practicing stewardship has a lot to do with giving and growing. And it will produce growth in every area of our life. And then there's the do it now principle principle. Stewardship deals with present resources, it, not what I had, not what I'm going to have or I think I'm going to have, but God is asking me and asking you today, what are you doing with your gifts? Yeah. <laughs> and your ability. somebody's got an organ in their pocket. <laughs> what are you doing with the gifts? I'm gonna be, this is gonna be fun this morning. What are you doing with your gifts that you have right now? Right now. And then the I'm in debt principle. We talked about that last week. From the moment we are born, we are debtors. The Apostle Paul said, I am a debtor. Basically saying that I've come into this world already given many, many blessings and i am now responsible to return many as many as of those blessings as i possibly can and then we talked last week about the fountain of youth principle we live forever through our giving as we give of our talent of our tithe of our time it's the only thing that will truly last forever now Here's where your writing begins this morning. And I was so blessed as I looked out in the congregation, right, right, real close to me, there were some folks that already had their Bibles open. They had their pens ready. They had their notes ready, and they were jumping in. They were going to get ready even before we began to worship. And so that tells me that that at least somebody is getting some of this. I hope so. Let's look at it. The Who's Number One principle, Matthew chapter 28. There's a tendency, instead of giving him our best and our first, for us to give him our leftovers. Jesus was asked one time in Matthew 22, teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law? And Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your mind, your soul, and strength. That is the first and the most important commandment. Now, when you, when you look at Proverbs chapter three, I want you to look at verse nine. The Bible says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruit of all your increase. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2 says, On the first day of the week, let each of you lay something aside, storing up as he or she may prosper. God tells us that we are to give him the first, not the last of everything. Now, our tendency Ladies and gentlemen, it's to, to give God what's left over. Now, that's, that's human. Our human tendency is to take our possessions and kind of take care of ourselves. And if there's anything left over, well, sure, God, I'll, I'll take care of you too. Here's what happens. Greed sets in. You say, oh, pastor, you don't know me that well. Yes, I do. Greed sets in in all of us. Greed sets in. Come on. All of a sudden, you know, I I begin to think "I, I could do a lot better job with these things, God. I know what's best. Here comes this whole question Where do you put God? Is He first? Is he second? Is he fifth? Is he so far down the list that, that you really can't? Where, where is God in your life right now? Now, the Lord said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. He, he, he basically said, I can tell you what you love if you just let me see your bank account and your calendar. You see, I've got it on my phone now. I mean, we pay our bills from our phone. Uh, my wife still says, we're not going to pay our bills that way. I'm going to write out a check. And I said, y- you're acting like my mom and dad now. And they've been gone many years. <laughs> but she still likes to write that check. I said, sweetheart, you know our kids have never had a checkbook. And They don't pay their bills that way. They we we mobily pay them. We 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 send we send them you know, and it's immediate. But but basically, what I want you to hear me say that that when you look at this, I can basically tell what your priorities are in your life by looking at those two areas in your life. You can look at my life. Then there's the cheerful attitude principle. Stewardship begins with loving, not giving. Now, I want you to hear that this morning because Paul said what? God loves a cheerful giver. In the Greek language, it really means a hilarious giver. Man, I found that we can give without loving, but we cannot love without giving. Love has to be the foundation of our giving. If love is not the foundation of my relationship with God, I'm always going to have a problem. You see, love asks, how much can I give? Legalism asks, how little can I give? And there's a major difference between the two. The basis of of my stewardship and management of all the resources that God has given me has got to be based on the fact that I love him with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. And the reason that I do that is because he first loved me. There's the eighth principle, and I love this one because it's the the big shovel principle. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, just basically says, You cannot outgive God, ladies and gentlemen. God has a bigger shovel than you or I do. And listen to what Jesus said. Get your pen out because I want you to, to look with me at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And, and I want you to circle a word in a, in a moment. But here's what Jesus said Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. Now notice the next phrase. But by your, and circle that word, your, by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. That is a powerful biblical principle. Jesus said that the measure the standard of what I receive and what I give in delight is what I'm going to receive back. It's called the big shovel. Because God is saying, if you'll do your part, I'll do more than what you've done. I have a bigger shovel than you do. A very generous giver was asked, how is it that you have given so much, and yet God has blessed you financially in every area? And he replied, it's very simple. I shovel in, and God shovels back, and God has a bigger shovel than I do. I believe that. I believe that with all of my heart, that God's shovel is so big. I can tell you just personally in the last few days in watching people give to a ministry, I was just overwhelmed. Last night as we were preparing to to go into this banquet, and it was a, a banquet, a fundraising banquet for God's pit crew, this disaster relief ministry. I had that Bahamian pastor with me just so that we could testify of what those blue buckets had meant in the Bahamas. And the, the, the CEO and founder and president of this ministry, his name is Randy Johnson. He's not the baseball player. He's a Virginia boy and he's a, he's a, real, he's a real Virginia boy. I mean, he, he wears the boots and he, he, I imagine he was packing heat. I don't know. But uh, Randy said, Alan, come here for just a minute and bring Pastor Rudy over here and I didn't know what was going on. I thought maybe we offended some folks tonight before. I didn't know what it was. We had a great time. But, but uh, he said, I, I don't want to make a show of this or anything. He said, I, I don't want you to even mention this. But he said, Pastor Rudy, on behalf of our ministry, I want to give you this check because I know your church has to be rebuilt. I know your people are in need. And, and Pastor Rudy, we went back to the chair and Pastor Rudy opened that envelope and he, he began to cry. And then he shook me literally shook me i'm sitting beside him i said what in the world is going on he said it was a check for ten thousand dollars <laughs> god's shovel is bigger than our shovel ladies and gentlemen i want you to turn to your neighbor and just say you can't outgive god Then there's the ninth principle. We're going to get through 10 of them, and then we're going to, we're going to move on to the, the S in trust and the T. There's the river principle. Our life is to be like a river, not a reservoir. In other words, I'm to be a conduit. I'm to take my life and not hold what God has given me, but I'm to pass it on to others. You see, there is, there is one inlet of power in life, the Holy Spirit. Don't miss that. If some for some reason you think this church can exist without the power and the presence of God Almighty through the person of the Holy Spirit, you are sadly mistaken. We must have the Spirit. We must, we must welcome the Spirit of God. You say, but Pastor, we're Baptist. Have you forgotten? No. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we sometimes shy away from the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit when we should welcome the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit because what God wants to do in and through us is far more than we could ever think or imagine. What God has in store for this church is far more than what Alan Spear could ever think about. We have to dream big dreams. We have to believe God for great things. I know what some of you are saying right now. You know, it's not blah, 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 but it's... No. No. I said no. You see, that's what happens in the church sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor, we couldn't be rivers. We just want to soak it all up and save it all. No, God never called us to do that. He said, be a river of blessing. There are five outlets of power. I wish I had time to preach this morning because I I really don't, but I want to show you real quickly what what it really means when we understand this river principle. It's through our life, what we are. That's how the river flows. Through our lips, what we say. Through our ministry, what we do. I'm not talking about the ministerial staff here. I'm talking about you folks. I'm talking about the people of this church, what you do through what God has called you in ministry, what we do, through our money, through our resource, what we give, and through our prayer, what we believe and claim in Jesus' name, and oh, how we need to be praying. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. When we sang that this morning, I was again brought to tears because it was the heart of cry of alan Spear this morning lord i need you every hour i need you my one desire lord my my heart's desire lord i need you we make a living by what we get but we make a life by what we give how true that is and then there is the 10th principle the who has whom principle until god is in control of my life you know what i am out of control James Lawless said, stewardship is more than the management of a thing. It's the refusal to let things manage us. And so there you have it. Those are the principles. Now when we look at the S in T-R-U-S-T, the S, surrender everything to God. If I only had more, I would give more. How often have I heard that? Luke has something to say about that statement. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. What, what in the world did, did Luke mean? If you are not giving sacrificially with what you have now, you won't give sacrificially when you have more. And so why? Because there's a spiritual principle at work in our lives. And that principle has shown time after time and time again, it's not how much we have of the world that dictates our generosity towards God. It's how much God has of us. Wow. That that was a brilliant statement. Some of you didn't recognize it. Here's the problem. The question for us is very, very simple. Am I going to live like the world, basically trusting myself? Am I going to become independent and do my own thing? Or am I going to live under Christian principles so that God has more of me? Am I going to be truly trusting, obedient, dependent, Am I going to be that kind of person upon God? Is God going to be my source, or am I going to do the old American deal and pull myself up by my bootstraps and kind of pave my own way? That's the issue this morning. And and it's not your talent, it's not your time, it's not your abilities, or even your money. The issue is very simple. Who do I trust in? That's it. Jeremiah describes it both as an independent person and a person of trust or dependence. And here's what he says about the independent person. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like, now notice how he says this, what we'll be like if we're independent and do our own thing. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes, and he will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Sounds like I want to go there. God says if you're going to rely on yourself, you're going to be like a bush pushed in the wind, having no roots, having no fruit, nothing. But then he goes on and he says this, a person that trusts and is dependent upon God, blessed Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. When troubles come my way, I will not fear because my confidence is not based upon me. It's based upon the Lord. My strength comes from him. And then he goes on to say its leaves are always green. He does not fear. He has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Circumstances are the same for the person who trusts God and the person who doesn't. The Bible says that, doesn't it? The rain falls on the just and the unjust. But ladies and gentlemen, the one who is prospering has leaves because its roots are are grounded. His roots are grounded in the source, which is God. The other one is like a a tumbling bush being pushed by the wind. Circumstances the same. Results totally opposite. The last letter in trust is T. Here we go. Test God's promises. You see, this morning, I want you to look up here at me for just a moment because I want to get just right down with you. I want you to know my heart today. I I love this church. I love this church. I love you. I'm so glad that that God, in his wisdom and in his plan, allowed me to come back a second time. I, I love this church. I I look forward, I'm, I'm telling you, I look forward to being with you. It's, it's one of those, those highlights. And I, you can tell by my personality, I got a lot of highlights. <laughs> I, I don't have a boring life at all. Lord, I don't know how some people, you know, live their lives in the drudgery. I, and I, I don't do anything slow. I think you've realized that. I, I, I like things being active, but I love y'all. But I'm going to tell you something. Some of you came this morning, and, and, and I'm going to tell you, here's where you're at. There, there are all kinds of possibilities this morning, but some of you are saying, you know, I should. Some of you are going to say, I could. Some of you are even going to say, I can. Some of you are going to say, I might. I might. But here's what I'm hoping. When it comes to testing God's promises, I'm going to pray today, and I have been for several weeks, but I prayed I prayed in the short trip that I took this morning. Maybe that's why I didn't see the skyway. I was praying you'd say, I will. I will. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? I mean that in the, in the responsibility that we have as a part of the bride of Christ, a part of this body that we will test God's promises. Let's look at it really quickly because I believe it's important that that, that we know this. Talk about this morning testing God's promises. I heard this from some speaker, and I, I love this. I know God will not give me anything I can't handle. I just wish He didn't trust me so much. <laughs> Very simple. Because this individual has proven to be trustworthy. It's that simple. If you're going, if you're doing without something, if you are doing without something in the area of need, the Bible says, this is what the Bible says, and I I believe this. My God shall supply all of your needs, not all of your wants. Some of you are wanting a Cadillac. God's not going to provide you with a Cadillac. You don't need a Cadillac. I will supply all of your needs according to my glorious riches in and through and by who? Jesus Christ. If you're doing without, I can almost promise you, you can go back to the point of trust. When I was working on this message, I thought about some Bible characters who passed the trust test. Noah, think about this. Remember when when God told him to build an ark because it was going to rain? What's rain, Lord? major trust, don't you think? Would you like to explain that to your neighbor, let alone to your wife? We're building this big boat, sweetheart, because it's going to rain. What's rain? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. And Noah, the Bible says, did everything, did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Ladies and gentlemen, Noah passed the trust test. Some of you, some of you are going to say this morning, well, I might if I could just see the end. You're not ever going to see the end. You remember where you're riding? Oh, occasionally, certainly you're going to look up, but you're hanging on. You're you're pedaling. He's taking you on this adventure. Trust him. He knows where he's going. And then there was Abraham. Remember when God spoke to Abraham and said that he wanted to. Sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And and he said, Isaac, we're going up to Mount Moriah. And Isaac said, Where's the sacrifice, dad? And Abraham said, This God will provide. Okay, Isaac's on the altar. The sacrifice is about to take place. Listen to verse 12. God says, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad against isaac and do nothing to him now notice this notice the next phrase for now i know that you fear god since you did not withhold your only son from me ladies and gentlemen abraham passed the trust test joshua in joshua chapter 5 you know the whole story of moses crossing the red sea you watched the ten commandments i know you did how the rod stretches and the water parts. Can you imagine the people hollering and screaming at Joshua as he's getting down the Jordan there? And Josh, you don't, you don't have your rod. Go get your rod. You know, you go to the river, you put, put out your rod and the water parts and you're in good shape. Get the rod. But God didn't want Joshua to use the rod. Remember that time they had put their feet in the water before it could part. And because God didn't want them to trust in methods, he wanted them to trust in God. Now, it came about that all the kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan of the west and all the kings of the Canaanites that were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed and their hearts melted. There was no spirit in them any longer. Joshua passed the trust test. And then there was David. Remember David and Goliath? You, you remember that story. Soon as Saul found out that David was going to fight Goliath, you know what he did? The Bible says that Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head and, and clothed him with all that, that heavy armor. Now, now think about this Saul is six feet four inches, weighs 245 pounds. David is five six and weighs 125 pounds wet. You get the picture? David is putting on Saul's armor. That would be hilarious. It'd be funny to see. And David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk. The Bible says, for he had not yet tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David took them off. David passed the trust test. Now here's how it works. Noah trusted in God, not the familiar. Abraham trusted in God, not emotion, not the personal feelings. Joshua trusted in God, not methods. David trusted God, not man's armor. They all had to take the trust test. You and I have got a trust test today. You say, well, I I know Pastor John said we've got these pledge cards today well pastor john didn't didn't use this term but i'm going to use this term this morning because i believe what the finance team and what this committee has done is a wonderful thing by giving us this this brochure but they have given us much more than paper ladies and gentlemen it takes resources to operate this church It takes a lot of resources. There's a lot of buildings here. There's a lot of opportunity here. There's a lot of activity and a lot of ministry that God wants to use us in. I believe with all my heart in the days ahead, there's a lot of mission activity this church needs to be involved in. We need to be sharing the gospel with everyone that we come into contact with. We need to be going places on mission, not just sending through the cooperative program. We need to be going to those places. You say, Pastor, I'm a little too old. No, you're not. Don't believe the devil's lie. Some of you will be the greatest thing now that you're in your retirement years. You have the availability of time, and you also have the resource that you could go and be a blessing to someone and be a ministry to someone, and God could use you in ways that you never even dreamed possible. Some of you, I understand you cannot physically go, but you know what you can do? You can pray. And I'm not talking about a, a, a three-minute prayer let for Christian It. I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about fervent prayer. I'm talking about going and, and saying yes, Lord. So here's the promises that God gives us when we tithe. By the way, I want to just say this to you. I had, I had somebody stop me a, a couple of weeks ago and said, "Do you do you really believe? Do you believe you know that the Old Testament actually has you know is it applicable to us?" And I said what are we talking about here? Let's, let's, let's be real. He said, well, in the area of money, he said, do you really believe that, that the Old Testament is to be observed when we're New Testament people? I said, oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Because in the New Testament, the Bible says they gave all. If you're interested in giving it all, I don't mind that you bypass 10%. It got quiet. There were no more questions. You see, I believe that the tithe is the beginning part. The Lord says to bring that, and listen to what he promises. Number one, in in verse 10 of Proverbs chapter three, It says he will provide for us. Folks, this morning God is talking. Look at what he says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there will be food. Malachi chapter 3, so that there will be food in my house. And notice this. He says, test me now on this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. You're saying, pastor, are you telling me that God will take care of me in every area of my life, including my finances, if I put God first. I'm not telling you that. God is. That's what God says. God is telling you. You see, this is not the spirit trust test. This isn't the First Baptist Church trust test. This is God's. He says, if you put me first, not second, not third, not 27th, Here's what I found: in the area that I surrender, God blesses. In the area that I don't surrender, God disciplines. What a powerful biblical principle. Secondly, He will provide His presence, but never, God never isolates us from difficulties and challenges. Friday night, as I was speaking <laughs> I, I got I got emotional because I began to think about the faithfulness of God in my life. And I have not been isolated from trouble and from circumstance and from challenge. But ladies and gentlemen, I, I want you to hear my heart this morning. God is faithful. God will be God, even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of loss, even in the midst of, of great heartache, God. Is God and he is faithful and he will provide his presence but he does not isolate us from those circumstances but he comes and he walks through those things with us I'm telling you had it not been for the Lord had it not been for God had it not been for the presence of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus Christ this man would not be standing here today because I'm telling you, when you walk through and you lose people that are so precious and dear to you, and yet God is faithful even in that. So I want to just I want to take a step aside here just for a minute. Some of you walked in this room this morning broken and bruised and hurting. And I want to I want to assure you and I want to proclaim to you this morning that God is still on the throne. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't, 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 don't say, oh, it's too impossible for God. It's not. The lady walked up to me on Friday night and tears streaming down her face, and she told me of her story of losing her husband in the midst of a disaster relief. He was helping God's pit crew, and this gentleman was 49 years old and was delivering supplies for Operation Rescue, and they found him after he had unloaded his truck collapsed and he was actually already gone and dead thought he'd had a heart attack but when in fact they did the autopsy his body was filled with cancer and he had died right on the spot but he had died doing what god had called him to do but for three years she had carried that and she had carried it in such a harsh way she had said god you must have forsaken me god has not forsaken his people but ladies and gentlemen We are not immune from the circumstances of life. We are not immune from the challenges. We are not these people that somehow if we just do this and this and this, God's got a a perfect path that it will not have any. No, God takes us through the fire, but he walks with us in that fire. He's not going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. But then the third thing is, here's what will happen when we show that kind of faith in our God. Our lives will be attractive to other people. They'll go, wait a minute. I want some of that. I want to know what that guy is doing. This is the only area where God tells us to test him. Okay, here we go. I want to ask you to do this. I want you to get this out. I want you to get it out right now. Now, I'm going to do this a little differently. I want you to write up the top. It says pledge card. you see where it says? I want you to put my trust test. Go ahead. It's okay. Go ahead and write it right there. My trust test. Now, I'm even going to say this to you. I don't mind that you put your name there if you want to, but it is to me it's not... Uh, It's not something that I necessarily need to see. And I don't think anybody else around here really needs to see. But if you want to put your name there, that's great, too. Because God, you know, it's kind of like the guy that said he was bald. And everybody always made fun of him because he didn't have any hair. And I'm I'm getting closer. He said, well, Pastor, God never hides anything he's ashamed of. You'll get that later. He also told me that, that quality furniture always has a marble top. Okay. I'm not trying to offend the bald-headed people here today. I'm really not. But I'm trying to say to you that we're not going to broadcast this. We're not, we're not going to put this up on a bulletin board or anything like that. So if you put your name in there, that, that's fine with me. But I'm going to ask you to do this. Before you start putting your total annual gift amount, and some of you have already put it in, and i I'm hoping that you'll cross it out and put more in because here's what I want to say to you. Some of you, some of you this morning have said, how little can I get by with? Don't do that. Remember the big shovel principle? Remember, we get a life by what we give, not by what, what we're doing here. We'll be remembered by what we have given what we've poured in. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If, if you are going to steward your gift by a weekly offering, let's say it's $100 a week. Some of you are going, how much? $100 a week. You're going to give every week for 52 weeks. Now, church, you're smart. You're very, you look very astute this morning. How much is that annually? Wow. There's some brilliant mathematicians in the place. 5,200. Some of you could give 200 a week. Some of you could only give 20 a week. There's probably somebody that it's a sacrifice to give 10 a week, $10 a week. But you know what? God doesn't measure the amount, He's looking at the heart. I wish I could tell you that every dollar you give, we have, a, we have a matching donor over here. We do that in fundraising a lot of times. But can I tell you something? We've got a God that can take $5 a week and make it into 100 Say, so how's that happen? I don't know. But he does it. He does it. And he has proven that to me time after time after time. So here's what I want you to do. If you're going to give an annual gift, that's great. Make sure it's what God has called you to do. Now, some of you are looking at me and you're saying, and I can see it. I might do this one of these days, Pastor, but not this week. You know what? You won't ever do it. This has got to be a step of obedience. This has to be a step of surrender. I'm going to ask families today, if you're doing this as a family, I'm going to ask you to come this morning I'm gonna ask everyone to come this morning. I'm not I'm not asking you to do this in front of people. I don't want you to come up and I don't want you to go, hey everybody, look what I'm doing. No. I want you to come and I want you to, as you are giving unto the Lord, you are saying, Lord, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna believe you, we're gonna trust you, we're gonna pass this trust test. As you place that in one of these plates, I want you just to stand together. If you're with a family, if you're by yourself and you need somebody to pray with you, I will put my arm around you and join you in prayer. There will be other staff members down here. There will be people that will pray with you. We're going to believe God, but we're not only trusting God for the financial things that God has called us to do here. We're trusting that God in the midst of this would bring revival, spiritual awakening in this body, that God would do something in this place that we never dreamed or imagined. That he would so move among us that there would be such an influx of students coming here. There would be such an influx of singles coming here. There would be such an influx of senior adults coming here. That Doug would have so many musicians that he would say, you know what, we got to do auditions around here. We've got to rotate this thing. That, wouldn't it be wonderful if through today we got so much pledge that, that we could say, we, we can do even greater things. We're we going to have to amend the budget. Whew. That would shake some folks up. That would bless me. That would bless God. All right. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Let's take the trust test.